On this Palm Sunday, let me wish you Shabbat Shalom. Yeah, I can tell that uh, that sounded a little strange. Try it after me. Shabbat Shalom. It means Sabbath peace, a typical Jewish greeting. I'm sure a typical Christian greeting, at least in the life of the early Christian church. So, Shabbat Shalom. Did you um, survive all the snow? Were you, uh, uh, were you uh, expecting it? Yeah, you know, I wasn't either. Jill and I, just a few days ago, I was in the mid-70s, and uh, we're sitting outside. It's warm. And I actually said these words. I said, you know what? There's been no snow this winter at all. This winter, we're not going to get anything, not even in March. So it's all my fault. And I should know better, right? I mean, we've been here 20 years, and uh, every March, it's the heaviest snow month. That always surprises me, and I think, no, not really. But every year, we get it. Um, So you'd think I would expect it. Uh, We were in, um, we had a chance to go up to Vail uh, Thursday morning. We drove over from uh, Dillon, just a short hop over the pass. And um, as the girls went around the little shops in uh, Dillon, uh, my son Ben and I uh, went to hunt out a March Madness game somewhere. And, um, and don't worry, we, so we told the ladies, look, if you find something you know, that you're thinking of buying and you need our, our manly input, just text us and we'll come. Um, but then uh, the snow started. And it's like a, it, what, snow is too light a word for what happened, right, guys? Yeah, you, 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 you know, you go in that snow where the snow is so thick, it's like rain. I mean, it was that thick. You know, I, I'm Dutch, so I, I'm pretty sure it's a Dutch saying it was thick as pea soup. But, because the Dutch love pea soup, but um, I'm thinking of pea soup. Uh, <laughs> but the snow starts swirling around, and so I ended up texting Jill. I said, you know, we better go, because uh, they might close Vail Pass. And so we hustle out of there, and sure enough, halfway up Vail Pass, it closes. We had emergency vehicles passing us in the shoulder, and we thought, that's not good. And the thought crosses your mind. Maybe I try to keep up with the emergency vehicle. No, that's not. So finally, we get about six cars back from where a state trooper parked sideways on the road, so traffic had to stop. Maybe you've been there. And um, I put the thing in park, and, you know, what can you do? Something that we didn't expect. And uh, then I looked down at the gas gauge, and it's on E. Yeah. And um, I start thinking in my head, well, how much gas really does an idling car take? (laughs) And so, um, you know, we're just talking and listening to some music, and and I'm watching my gas needle, and it's not moving. 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm thinking, well, it's got to be using gas. I better turn the car off, just in case. You know, who knows how long we'll be up there. So I turn the car off. We were stopped for 90 minutes. And um, finally we got going. I started the car again. Now the needle's below E. And uh, at least I'm going downhill. <laughs> and I asked Jill, is there, that, there's a con- is there a gas station at Copper? You know, my-? She says, yeah, there's a Conoco there. I have never been so grateful to make it to a Conoco station uh, ever. Um, 
But uh, this wasn't something we expected, um, to be stuck uh, up on a pass somewhere in a car, huddled together while literally a sideways blizzard just swirled and moved the car around us. It was um, unexpected. Um, that word expectations um, has been on my heart for a while. And uh, so I want to talk about expectations uh, this week on Palm Sunday and next week uh, uh, on Easter. And the expectations that I'd like for us, you know, to think about and to focus on um, is this. I'd like for us to think about our expectations when it comes to God. What expectations do you have of God? What do you expect of God or from God? Do you have any expectations when it comes to God? Uh, to expect uh, means to strongly believe something's going to happen. Uh, in English, at least, probably one of the best idioms or sayings that illustrate what expect means is um, a pregnant woman, right? If a woman is pregnant, we say she is expecting because uh, she believes that uh, one day in the future she will give birth. Her, her great expectation is that a baby will be born. She is expecting, we say. Are you uh, expecting when it comes to God? And are they great uh, expectations? Or how about this related question? Um, what do you expect in life? And for the Christian, uh, those two questions are very closely related, aren't they? What do you uh, expect of God and, and what do we expect in life as children of God and followers of Jesus? I want to share with you today um, one word. Um, it's a big word, but it's one word that the Bible uses to summarize what our great expectation should be of God and of life in Christ. You can find it everywhere in the Bible. It's one of those major biblical themes. Jesus uses this word when speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper as he uh, teaches them and just before he prays with them one last time the night before he died. Jesus tells his disciples this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And that's the word, or one way to look at, or one way to summarize what should be our great expectation of God and of life in Christ. Peace. And need to talk about peace a little bit with you because peace, like so many English words, fails to fully grasp the deeper context of the Hebrew and even the Greek word behind it. 
I'm not sure why. I have my uh, theories on why. Uh, Maybe you do too, but for whatever reason, God chose a very word-poor language in which to originally give us his word. Hebrew has very, very few words, and Greek, at least relative to English, has few words too. And what that means is, for every Hebrew word, there are dozens and dozens of English words or English cultural concepts that are captured up in a single Hebrew word. And this, of course, makes the job of an interpreter into English um, uh, very difficult and very interesting as they try to capture what it is in one English word that these big words have in Hebrew and in Greek. The uh, complete Jewish Bible translation um, of the verse we just looked at realizes that that English word peace or even any single English word, well, it just can't fully capture the Hebrew word or the Greek word behind it. And so rather than even try to translate it, they put the Hebrew word in there. It leaves the Hebrew in place. And so it reads this way. I have said these things to you so that, united with me, you may have shalom. Very good. See, uh, thank you. Did you hear that? Give that to me. Shalom. Stop that. You may have shalom. And while shalom certainly includes what we mean by the English word peace, peace doesn't even come close to plumbing the depths of the true meaning and idea of shalom. It means so much more. If we would try to translate shalom into English um, and put all of the words that shalom could mean and includes uh, in English, this would become the longest verse in the Bible. And I've got a screen in a second with, it's really a short list of English words that shalom encompasses. Check it out, it's quite a list. Jesus tells his disciples, I've told you all this so that in me you may have shalom. You may have peace. You may have completeness. You can be whole. You can have health. Welfare, safety, soundness. In me there's tranquility, there's prosperity, there's perfection, there's fullness, and there's rest. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, Jesus says, and I will give you shalom. In me, Jesus says, you can have harmony and justice And salvation is even captured in shalom because shalom talks about the reconciliation of all relationships, including, first and foremost, our relationship with God. In Jesus, we can have friendship and success and satisfaction and order and hope. And I could go on and on and on and on. I ran out of room on the slide. That's quite a list. Do you expect those things in Christ? Do you want those things? 
you desire those things in your life? One commentator um, writes that shalom can be nicely summed up in a short phrase. Shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Is there anything missing, anything at all in your life? Is there anything missing? Is there anything broken? If there is, you need shalom. Another commentator describes shalom this way. Shalom is the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. How many of you want delight? Go ahead. You can raise your hand. We call it peace, he continues, but it means far more than peace of mind or ceasefire among enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. Another commentator says, shalom means complete reconciliation, a state of the fullest flourishing in every dimension, physical, emotional, social, and spiritual, because all relationships are right and perfect and filled with joy. And oh, the Bible is loaded with references to shalom. God himself is repeatedly referred to as the God of peace. Gideon, after a victory, constructs an altar and names the altar God is peace. The covenant that God made with his people, the relationship that God made with his people, the promise he made is called in Numbers and in Ezekiel and other places the covenant of peace. Jesus, as many of you know from Isaiah 9, verse 6, Jesus is called Yeshua Sar Shalom. Say Yeshua Sar Shalom. It means Jesus, yeah, it's a tongue twister. Yeshua Sar Shalom. Let's try it all together. Yeshua Sar Shalom. And it means Jesus, Prince of Peace. And get this, I uh, learned something this week for the first time. I can't believe I hadn't come across it before. It's why I love and advocate and encourage all of you to study your Bible all the time, all the time, all the time. You will never, if you live to be a thousand years old and beat Methuselah, you will never plumb its entire depths. And did you know that in the New Testament times, you know how the Greeks would commonly greet one another? We say hello. The Greek word for greeting would be charis, grace. And so they would say hello. Their hello was grace. And it just blew my mind. Paul and the other New Testament writers certainly knew that. And, and writers to a predominantly Greek audience, what did they do in their letters with that common traditional Greek greeting of grace? Oh, they added something. And it must have caught the attention 
of Greeks used to only hearing grace in greeting. Over and over and over in the New Testament writers, what do they add? Grace and peace. Grace and shalom to you. And it must have caught the Greeks here. Whoa! What is this peace, this shalom that these men and women are speaking about to us as they teach us about this Jewish God? The Psalms are full of such cries for help, such cries for shalom, because it's with this great expectation of shalom Right from the beginning when God promised Adam and Eve to send the one to crush the serpent's head, God's people throughout Scripture and ever since through today cry out to God. They cry out to heaven for God to give him this promised peace, give them shalom. I've got just a few psalms. There are dozens. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. In my distress, I cried and called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. And over and over and over, from Genesis to Revelation, there's this cry out to God for shalom. One of my favorite uh, Bible stories is when uh, Peter steps out of the boat and he's walking on the water with Jesus in the storm. Remember that story? And who can remember as Peter begins to sink, boy, does he know who to cry out to, doesn't he? He starts to sink and, Lord, Hoshana, save me. Hoshana means save me. And what did Jesus do in immediate response to that cry? Here. Lord, save me. And on Palm Sunday, which we remember today, as Jesus came down the Mount of Olives riding on a donkey in fulfillment of that prophecy in Zechariah 9, as he came riding into Jerusalem, which means city of peace, city of shalom. The irony is tremendous, isn't it? When the psalmist tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're praying for the shalom of the city of shalom. And in Revelation, in picture at least, where will we all dwell together? In the new city of Shalom, of Shalom, Yerushalayim. And here comes Jesus to bring Shalom, riding down the Mount of Olives into the city of Shalom. Estimates put the number of people packed into Jerusalem during Passover week at hundreds of thousands, maybe even a million. And if you've been to Israel, you've seen pictures, you've seen how the Mount of Olives rises high to the east of the entire city even over the top of the 20-story temple on Mount Moriah just below it. And you couldn't be on a street in Jerusalem in Jesus' day, especially since buildings tended to be lower, and not hear the crowd and look. Hundreds of thousands, perhaps, saw Jesus come down. 
And the people of Israel lined the way. And no wonder, they had just heard the rumor it had spread through wildfire from the little town of Bethlehem just on the other side of the Mount of Olives that the one coming today had raised somebody from the dead. And some say that he's Messiah. And so he gets on that donkey and he comes down and the people lined the way. People oppressed by the iron fist of Rome. And people like you and me dealing with the troubles in life and wanting desperately this shalom that had been promised from the beginning and through the prophets. And could this be the one that finally would bring shalom? You can find listed in your bulletin all of the accounts of this entry into Jerusalem of Jesus, but I'll let Mark tell the story this morning. Mark writes, Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed, Jesus is surrounded by them. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hoshana! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our father David. Hoshana in the highest heaven. Can you hear it? Hoshana, Hoshana, Hoshana. Tens of thousands of people chanting. Save us! Save us! They cried out to Jesus. And a few days later, he did, though most of them didn't know it. And what an amazing irony. Jesus saved them by crying out in his turn to God to save him. With these words to his Father in heaven, Jesus, no doubt, quoting Psalm 31, when he said, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. In other words, even though I can't feel your presence right now for the first time in my entire life, even though you've turned your face from me, even though you're absolutely gone from me, you know what? I'm going to trust you, and I'm still going to cry out to you and ask you to, to deliver me and to save me, even from this death. And he died with that great expectation. Palm Sunday, it seems to me, or Lent, if you celebrate or observe Lent, seems to me it's a period leading up to the cross, uh, much like the advent of Christmas. A period of anticipation an expectation that God hears our cries and that when he hears, he responds. It's a week where we're invited out, especially this week, it seems to me, to, we're invited to cry out again to our God for the shalom that is ours, united in Christ. We cry out expectantly that God will hear us and expecting that Jesus will come and bring us peace, bring us shalom. 
Where do you need um, shalom in your life? Do you need any of these things in your life, in any areas of your life? Maybe I should ask, um, I know I'd have to ask myself, where don't I need it? It's a shorter list. And uh, most of us don't have uh, Romans oppressing us like those Jews did 2,000 years ago when they cried out on the first Palm Sunday. But we all have our share of trouble, don't we? I was ready to cry um, Hoshana on Vail Pass. <laughs> but where do you need shalom? In your relationships? Well, shalom means reconciled relationships. Do you need health? Well, shalom means health. Where do you need shalom? I'd like for all of us, uh, I'll invite you to this week leading up to Friday morning at 9 o'clock and this weekend while Jesus, we remember Jesus in the tomb. I'd like to invite you to think about where it is that you need shalom in your life. And as you reflect on that in your time leading up to the cross, would you again, if you haven't for a while, or even if you have, would you renew, can we together renew our cry out to God this week to send shalom? And cry out expectantly that he will. There's um, a song that um, uh, I'd like to close with today. And as the band makes their way back up to lead us um, in that song, I'd invite you uh, to listen and reflect on uh, what's being sung. And at the same time, just where you are today, would you think of one or two or three areas in your life where you most desperately need shalom? And as this song of praise lifts up to heaven, Maybe in your own mind you can lift up to heaven in a prayer that cry out to God and ask him right here, right now for that specific shalom. In anticipation of that, let's pray. Father in heaven, I'd ask now, uh, even now, that your power and the presence of your Holy Spirit would stir among your people here. And that you would um, encourage them and make it easy for them to reflectively ask themselves as the music plays where it is that they need shalom. And Father, as those reflections are lifted to you and carried along by this song, that you would once again 
hear the cry of your people, the expectant cry, Father, for shalom. Did the Holy Spirit bring something to mind? What is it? What is it in your life right now that hurts? Is it a relationship that's broken? Are you dealing with some health issue? Is there a sin in your life that you just can't seem to get off you? And it dogs you and it dogs you and you're just so tired and you need shalom. What's missing in your life today? What's broken? In Christ, you can find anything that's missing and in his power heal anything that is broken. Do you expect that this week, especially as we lead up to the cross? And I'd invite you as you go here today, take that hurt. And like the song says, the more desperate you are, <laughs> throw it up to the Lord, cry out to him, and he will hear you. He always does. And then next week, come with that experience of crying out to heaven. And we'll talk about how it is that he responds to our great expectations. Cry out to God. Cry out to heaven. Because God hearing you and responding, it's even more certain than a springtime snow in Colorado. Way more. Yes, way more. Would you stand, please, uh, for the benediction? We'll just keep the music playing, and they'll bring it back up uh, on our way out. I'd like to bless you, uh, ask God to bless you with a blessing I know many of you have heard before. It's the priestly blessing. It's done uh, quite frequently. But maybe you'll hear it in a little bit different, uh, with a little bit, uh, with more Hebrew ears this morning. And it goes like this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his Shalom, his peace. In the name of Yeshua, Sar Shalom, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, all God's people said, Amen. God bless you all.